Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. How many of you remember that day when the Lord spoke to your heart and showed you your need for Jesus Christ as your Savior? I remember that day. I received a text last evening to pray for someone. And I think about that, what prayer can do, what only prayer can do, what God can do. And that's open the heart and the mind of someone who is in darkness, someone who doesn't believe, someone who doesn't see their need for the Lord. And I pray that God will quicken us and help us to be people of prayer as we pray for others and be people of courage in whatever we face. We are in a battle. We are facing all kinds of challenges we will have setbacks and disappointments. I read where one stated, the strongest people aren't always the people who win, but the people who don't give up when they lose. Are you the kind of person that will get back up when you get knocked down? Are you the kind of person that when you grow weary and well-doing, you will take heart and get your eyes back on the Lord because you realize, hey, that's where it's all won or lost right there, is with my eyes on Christ or not. As I think about this, I want us to take our Bibles and look for a moment here in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Last week I touched on this about our vision. Our vision for the future comes out of our vision of God. We get a vision of God through His Word. We get our eyes back on the Lord. We see who He is. The Bible is God's revelation of Himself to us. And we have to understand this. And you remember when God's people, they were upon the very verge of going into the land of promise. And yet, here they were. They were fearful because they chose 12 spies to go in and to survey the land and come back and give them a report. How, how is it? Uh, what is the challenge? What will we face there? And they came back and told of the good of the land in Numbers 13 and verse 27. And then in verse 28, nevertheless, underline that. There will be those in your life that will always be the nevertheless people. It's like, here's the good if we can go there for a moment, but just a moment. But here's the negative. Here's the challenge. Here's the impossibility. And uh, nevertheless... The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Moreover, underline that. It, gets even, it goes from bad to worse as they describe this. And they begin to talk about how they dwell in the land. And uh, these are people who are great people, greater, even bigger, giants in their eyes. In verse 33, we read of, but Caleb stilled the people before Moses in verse 30 and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Underline that. We are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Underline that. We are not able. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to look to? Someone said that, the voice you listen to today will determine the kind of life you live tomorrow. Will you listen to the Lord? 
Will you listen to others who are listening to the Lord? Will you look to the Lord or will you look around and say, whoa, what is this? This is more than I expected. This is greater than me. I don't know about this. Let's back off. Let's back up. Let's just turn around and return to a place of discouragement and defeat. I think it's interesting. I talked last week about the pioneer and the momenteer. Kind of a, a new word for me is just the thought of those who live in the moment. They live for time, what's right in front of them instead of for eternity, what's before them by faith. The faithless talk about what they're going through, how hard their life is, and I've got this to take care of and that to take care of, and then I've got this and I'm always just tired and worn out. That's the faithless. How are we going to do this? We're not able. But the faithful talk about what they are going to. I know where I am, but I know where God is leading me. I know where we're going with this thing. Though I am not able, God is able. His grace is sufficient. My God is greater than any challenge that I'll face in this life. That's the faithful or the faith-filled. The pioneer sees the prospect of what God can and will do. The momenteer sees the problems, quick to find fault, to dismiss the efforts of others, to even dismiss the working of God himself. God had brought them to this place. And they missed it altogether. Some people are so wrapped up with the troubles and the trials of day-to-day -day life and woe is me and, and how am I going to make it and what am I going to do and how am I going to fare that they miss that God is at work. God is sovereignly guiding and directing even providentially through the circumstances of their lives. No wonder they talk themselves out of what God has for them because they're continually talking it down to themselves and among themselves. Don't ever forget this principle in life. I've learned it because I've lived it and I've seen it in so many people's lives. If our adversary can get you to talk down what God has put in your heart to do, if he can talk it down, this is not important. It's not that necessary. It's not that valued or appreciated. It's not really that big a deal. Well, if he can talk it down in your heart and your mind, and when you begin to believe that, then it's just a matter of time before he'll talk you out of it. It's just like, hey, well, it doesn't matter. Then why care? Why try? Why continue? No wonder Paul said, I magnify mine office. He said, I talk about the great God who saved me and called me. I'm always talking about how God has put me in the ministry and how God is at work in my life and how God is moving forward, how God is always advancing. That was the heart and the faith of the Apostle Paul. That was the heart and the faith of Joshua and Caleb here, even in this hour. But when we're fearful and faithless, then we're prone to just look around in our weariness and lose heart. The pioneer looks forward by faith. The momenteer looks back in unbelief. The pioneer has a price to pay of God's choosing. The momenteer has a price to pay of his own choosing. There will be a price to pay to do right. There will be a price to pay to do wrong. 
But the price that God chooses for us is not only a price that He will help us in, but He will honor, and the reward will be greater than the sacrifice when we serve God faithfully. Joshua and Caleb would be put off of their inheritance for them and their family for some 40 years. As all of these 20 years old and upward would die in the wilderness, aimlessly wandering there, moaning and groaning and complaining, no matter how good God had been to them, no matter how good God had uh, done by them there in Egypt in not only preserving them and protecting them, but delivering them. They saw the mighty hand of God. Only God could do what they had seen. But our hearts are so hard, so oftentimes consumed with unbelief. We're so sight-oriented. Remember when he fed the 5,000, then they were in a storm shortly thereafter, and they, they despaired of life? The Bible says they forgot what they had just seen because their hearts were hardened. No wonder the Bible warns us against hardening our hearts in a hard, harsh, cold-hearted world. Your heart is going to get hard if you're not careful. It'll become cynical, negative, critical. You'll be sitting on the sidelines before you know it, and you don't even realize that you're gaining no ground for God. In fact, you're losing ground for God because there's no neutral place in the service of God. We're either going forward or we're going backward, losing ground. Oh, as I think about this, the Bible says that into chapter 14, Caleb, he had another spirit. Remember this, it was a spirit of faith, a spirit of confidence in God and his ability to deliver them. He followed the Lord with his whole heart, his whole heart. I wonder, could we say that this morning? Lord, as best I know, I've, I am following you with my whole heart. Some of us can say, Lord, as best I know, I remember when I followed you with my whole heart. Things happened. Disappointments came. Failures prevailed in my life or that of others that affected my life. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that we've cooled on the Lord. We haven't lost our first love because we are His if we know Him by faith. But we can leave our first love. Our hearts can cool on the Lord. God wants us to take courage. Look with me over in Deuteronomy chapter 1. This is the giving again of the law. After this wilderness wandering, Moses is telling the people what they're prepared for, for those who will go into the land of promise and lay hold of it. One writer said the Kadesh Barnea event is recorded in Numbers 14, and the New Testament commentary is Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. God warns against an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart? Why is the sin of unbelief so evil? To begin with, unbelief makes God a liar and questions the dependability of His Word. Our responsibility is not to question God, but to believe God and do what He commands. Unbelief wastes time. An 11-day journey turned into 40 years of wandering and death. Unbelief robs us of God's best blessings. God cared for His people those 40 years, but how much more He would have done had they claimed their inheritance. When you come to those Kadesh Barnea places in your pilgrimage, don't look around at the problems and dangers. Look up 
to the God who is leading you and walk by faith. Walk by faith. The faithless talk about what they're going through. The faithful talk about what they're going to. This is what God has next for my life. I'm going where God is leading. I'm going where God is, as it were, beckoning me to come. As we think about this, you can study a reminder, kind of an overview rehearsal of where they'd been and what they'd faced and how they'd gotten in the situation they were in in this wilderness wandering. But now the time had come when God said they're to turn. They had walked around this aimless path and journey of wandering for long enough. It was time to turn northward. It was time to gain ground. It was time to do what God had given them to do into chapter 2. But in this summary here, I thought it was interesting. As you read what happened that we just kind of surveyed in Numbers, God had told His people... It says in verse 21, Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Underline that there. Neither be discouraged. I want you to see this. He's saying this is the land that God had promised. Go. As you go, God will go with you. God will give the victory. He said, Don't be afraid. They're bigger than you, the inhabitants of the land, but not bigger than your God. Your God is greater. Caleb said, we are well able. Our God makes all the difference. We're not equal with them, but they're not even anywhere near to being equal with our God. See, he had his eyes on the Lord. Yes, they're a great challenge, no, we're not sufficient for this challenge in and of ourselves. But God, our God can and our God will. So he said, fear not, neither be discouraged. Wow. Neither be discouraged. If you'll remember, we read in Numbers about where they came back with an evil report, two with a good report, Joshua and Caleb, and the other ten with an evil report. The word evil has a thought of to slander. Think about this. To defame is the thought. They were slandering God, defaming God and His servant before the people. So you understand the context here. He says, listen, Take heart, don't lose heart, don't tremble in fear and unbelief, don't be discouraged. Now notice this, we'll find the word here just again in a moment, but verse 21, I want you to make sure you've underlined this word because it means to prostrate, hence to break down either literally or by violence or figuratively, by confusion and fear. Don't lose heart. Don't bow before your enemy and say, we can't do this. That's where some of us are. We're just losing heart and we're just giving up. We're just melting any confidence, any kind of faith away. Don't be discouraged. Don't bow before your enemy. Bow before your God. I wonder who among us today, that's where we're at. We're bowing, as it were, before fear. 
before unbelief, before comfort. I, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone here. I'll just go back to where I was, and, and I won't venture out for God. I won't try anything new. I mean, come on. I, I just, what's causing you to pause, to hesitate, to back up, to bow down? I give. I give up. I'm done with this. Look in verse 28. As he rehearses what they had said and what they had done. Then they asked, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren hath discouraged our heart, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. They've discouraged our heart. Would you underline that? Let me ask you this morning. Are you an encourager? Or discourager? Do you talk about how great God is, how good God is, how able God is? Do you talk about the path forward or do you talk about everything around you? Woe is me. What is this? I don't like this. Don't want this. Don't want to deal with that. All of my life is nothing but. Are you an encourager or a discourager? Do you encourage people to believe God and trust God and follow God? Or do you talk it down or talk them out of it? Do you find fault? See, defame the Lord, defame his servant. Do you find some way to discredit God? Would you underline that? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Now, the word discouraged here is a different word. It has the thought of to liquefy, to waste, as with disease or fatigue, fear or grief. To discourage, to melt, to utterly despair. Some people, that's the effect they have on others. It's always the challenge and how insurmountable the task it is and how insufficient you are. That's their focus. They said, our brethren have discouraged our heart. They came back and told us that we're no match for this. And it's like, we don't know what to think. We don't know who to believe. Let, let me ask you, if someone believes what you're saying to them, what would be the outcome of that? If they actually believed what you say to them, what would happen? Personalize this. Would they just quit and you're like, I don't blame you. See, I told you, you couldn't do it. I mean, it was, you were no match for it, and, and, and I don't know what you were thinking anyway. Would that be, you're at, can you imagine, just like this, aimless wandering of people's lives, wasting away opportunities missed, the sorrow, the unnecessary loss and disappointment. That's where some people are. Because they listen to someone else other than the Lord. Someone who is defaming God. Someone who is doubting God. Someone who is indicting the Lord or his servant and say, why would you even think that God would use you to do something like this? Oh, we better be careful here. Because I read this and then I contrasted this with verse 38. Because he's talking about how Joshua and Caleb are going to go into the land. And Moses is saying, But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Think about when you encourage someone, not only how God blesses them, but through them blesses so many others. 
He shall cause Israel to inherit the land. He's the one now that's going to pick up the mantle. I've gone as far as God will allow me to go, and now it's Joshua's turn. Think about this, how powerful it is. The word encourage is only found four times in the Bible. I was surprised at that. Just four times in the Bible is used twice in reference to Joshua. It literally means to fasten upon, to seize, to be strong, courageous. Think about it, it means to strengthen. Do you strengthen people's faith or weaken it? Do you build it up or do you tear it down? Do you commend it or criticize it? I want to tell you, you don't know the outcome of your discouragement towards someone and the accountability you'll have before God one day as God sees the whole measure of it unfold before you at the judgment seat of Christ. This is what I read when I thought about this, and I thought, wow. These ten guys came back and said, no way. I'm telling you, these, these giants are so great, and we're no match for them. I'm telling you, what were we thinking? We should have stayed in Egypt. Not only what it cost them, but all these people, all these people. I thought about all of this sadness, this loss, unnecessary loss. Our churches are filled with people wrangling, wandering, wallowing. We just won't believe God. We won't obey God. And sometimes we look and listen to those who are not believing and obeying God either because there's always the negative, the fault, the shortcoming, the insufficiency. You'll find it in every person. You'll find it in every place. You'll find it in every church, in every work for God. You're going to find the insufficient servants of the Lord. But I'll tell you what the difference maker is. Is the all-sufficient perfect God they're serving that's the difference maker do you see so we look around and hey boy there's fault everywhere right everywhere in each of us in me in us all but I'll tell you what there's no fault in him and so Moses says encourage him strengthen him build him up commend him follow him Thank God for him because he's not doing what he's doing just for his sake. He's doing it for the God of heaven's sake and he's doing it for your sake, for you and your family. Remember Caleb, after all these years, he said, you remember that mountain that you promised me and my family? Why, sure, he said, I still want it. He said, I want it for me and my seed, my family, for those who come after me. I want everything that God has for me because I'm not just making decisions for myself. I'm making decisions for those who come after me. And either I will make decisions based upon what I'm going through, what I'm facing at the moment, what I don't like, what I don't prefer. I'll make a short-term decision that will have a long-term effect And yet I'm not even seeing that right now. Either that's the kind of life that I'm going to live or I'm going to live the life that says I'm willing to suffer, I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to put myself out for a time. 
so that God prevails ultimately in my life for me and those I love. Someone said it's better to fail at something that will ultimately succeed than to succeed at something that will ultimately fail. And there's a lot of people living for the moment. Oh, it's good. I like this. This is better. But the moments of life are so fleeting. They come and they go. And then what are we left with then? Oh, we've got to see the big picture. The way you see the big picture of what God has for you and your family. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But there's a God in heaven who has something awaiting us. He will bless those and honor those who honor him. The way you see that big picture is to get your eyes back on this big God. And he is a big God. If he can create the heavens and the earth, (laughs) he's a big God. Isn't that right? There's nothing too hard for him. All things are possible by faith in him. Oh, as we think about this, can I ask, who are you encouraging? Who are you saying, I thank God for you. I'm praying for you. I'm pulling for you. When's the last time you looked at someone and says, I'm sure you're tired. Thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate your efforts. It seems like sometimes if we're not careful, even especially for some reason, because I know there's the, the old nature that's involved, the new nature, the, the spiritual warfare component. It seems like in the Lord's work, if we're not careful, an underlying spirit pervades. It's still not enough. It's still never enough. No matter how much you do, it's never enough. The effort that you put forth, the sacrifices that you make sometimes, it's like, nobody made you do it. I guess you did it because you wanted to. I mean, what do you want me to do, sing your praise? It's shocking the spirit of unbelief and self-concern that people are consumed with and don't even see it. I don't want to be of that mind and that heart. And I want to challenge you not to be of that mind and that heart. They said, yeah, our brethren discouraged our hearts. We lost heart. We broke down our confidence and our courage through fear. And unbelief set in. Oh, they're opposite sides of the same coin. We melted in the very presence of this evil report, this slander against God and what he wanted us to do. Oh, how important it is to get our eyes on the Lord. One writer said, a moment of prayerful reflection can prevent a lifetime of regret. Just stop and pray. Stop and gather yourself. Stop and say, Lord, give me your mind here. I don't want to get caught up in the crowd. I don't want to get caught up in the sentiment that is prevailing among others right now. Lord, if I have to stand out, if I have to stand alone, then so be it. I'm going to stand fast upon your promise and do your will. God will bless that. There's a verse that you find five times in the Bible, and it's worded exactly the same way. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. 
You say, how, how am I going to keep my eyes on the Lord? I'll tell you one of the key ways is to just thank Him and praise Him for who He is. I was watching a TED Talk. How many of you know that expression, a TED Talk recently? And they're, I mean, they're on every subject imaginable. Some are very interesting. Some are interesting. <laughs> but this one caught my attention because I just like to hear people who've learned things and developed, you know, uh, their outlook on life and life lessons and things. Well, here was one that says, how to become your own life coach. This guy gets up and talks about how he had a teacher one time tell him when he was 15 years old, he said, I've never met a more angry student than you. He said, I was. I was so mad. And he said, and I hated life and I hated myself. He said, and so I took that to heart after the initial shock of that. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to get myself a new identity. He said, I'm just going to be Mr. Cool. And so he said, I walked around the school like I was Mr. Cool. I painted in big, bold letters in my bedroom on the wall, C-O-O-L. I am cool. I'm Mr. Cool. Everything's going to be Mr. Cool now. I'm not going to be angry no more. He said, but after a while, that betrayed me. I wasn't cool. And everybody knew it. And deep down, I did. Now get this, this is a man who's on a path of discovery and he says, let me tell you what changed my life. Just summarize it. He said, here's what changed my life. I learned to be thankful, sincerely thankful, three times a day to someone or for something. And that changed my life. I wasn't angry anymore. I didn't need everyone's affirmation or approval anymore. I was just truly thankful. He said, I'd meet someone on the street. Hey, thank you for that smile. That really meant a lot to me. He said, I'd find ways to be thankful. Can we all be honest with each other and say that that's where we get so easily, so quickly to our own dismay? It's hard to be grateful when you're grinding it out and when you're just trying to get through another day. Isn't that right? Wow. It's the truth. Yes, sir. He said, it changed my life. Instead of talking about all my troubles and trials and all that I was trying to get done and all I was going through, just to be genuinely grateful three times a day. <laughs> Remember, the strongest people aren't always the people who win, but the people who don't give up when they lose. And so I ask you, this morning as we close. How's your prayer life? Are your eyes on the Lord? Are your eyes on the Lord? How's your praise life? Are you thankful? Are your eyes on the Lord for who He is and what He's done in your own life? Your prayer life? Your praise life? I'll tell you, that's what will make all the difference as we go forward in life, this school year, whatever we face. All the challenges, they're there. They're going to be there. But so is our God. Our God is there. Are we going to be with the Lord for God and for each other? Or are we going to hesitate in unbelief? 
Someone said that unbelief is the fastest growing plague known unto man. Soon as they said, we're not able. I mean, it leapfrogged across like a rock across a pond. I mean, it just reverberated through the whole congregation of people. We can't do this. We're not able. Is that what you put into people? Hesitation, fear, where you say, hey, if this is God's will, God's with us. If God be for us, what does it matter who's against us? Because greater is he that is in us, say it with me, than he that is in the world. We're serving a great God today. Isn't that right? We're serving a God who's able. God, help me to believe you, Lord. Help me to trust you. Help me to encourage others to trust you and not discourage their faith, but to encourage them. I remember praying as a young preacher in Bible college. Lord, help me to be an encourager. I prayed that one day walking down the sidewalk. That was back in the day I had my tie on, my briefcase. I was on my way to class. I was a young preacher. I can see myself right now just walking down the sidewalk there. This is big time for me. Serving God? Man, can you believe I get to serve God? That was truly my attitude and my spirit. And I said, Lord, would you make me an encourager? Would you help me to build people up? Oh, may the Lord help us to be that, to build up someone's faith this week. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.